Welcome to the Super Motion Podcast, the podcast for those who don't just want to talk about the future of storytelling, they want to live it. We dive into cutting edge technology and talk to the creative leaders who are shaping the future. In this episode, we interview the co-founders of Sehan Lee as they launch Kubrick, a new tool for virtual production. It's built on the AI text-to-image platform called Stable Diffusion. We also have a really nice guy from XR Studios, a specialist digital production company, and the launch partner for Kubrick. Let's do this. Before we start, during this interview, I was given a demo of Kubrick by Sky at Sehan Lee. That's been cut together as a companion YouTube video to this podcast. So whether you watch that before or after this podcast doesn't really matter. But do go and have a look and see the product in action. The link will be in the show notes. Okay, so there are three guests with me today. Two of those guests are the co-founders of Sehan Lee. That's Pinar and Gary. I'm also joined in this episode by Aaron, a producer at XR Studios, and they've been the launch partner for Kubrick with Sehan Lee. I asked my three guests to start with a quick round of introductions. Hi, I'm Aaron Altmark. I'm a screen producer and uh, devs project manager at XR Studios. Um, we are a cutting edge digital production house in Hollywood, California. We specialize in immersive technology for entertainment, mostly in extended reality, so producing for volume stages. I am Punar Demirdal. I am the co-founder of Sehan Lee, together with Gary Kepke. Uh, we are founded in 2022 with the mission to integrate generative AI in, uh, in motion pictures and the entertainment industry. For the past three years, we've been uh, providing services and inventing tools for uh, the film industry. And we are on, on our way to become the hub of everything generative AI. Okay, that's huge. It's huge and super exciting. Gary, could you introduce yourself and, and if there's anything you want to add to that uh, introduction? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Gary Kepke and I'm a founding partner with Panar of Sehan Lee. And as she stated, we have a high ambition to uh, be the leading generative AI um, hub for the film industry and building tools and providing services um, to make uh, the, the production flows a lot simpler and smoother in Hollywood. Okay. So how did this, let's start um, uh, more generally, how did Kubrick come about? Who came up with it? How did it actually come about? Well, we were, we were visiting XR Studios to learn more about what they were doing, LED stages and we were absorbing it all and Panara and I had been dabbling in generative AI image making and what we were discovering what they were doing and what it takes to create an Unreal Engine image mm -hmm. in CG. We thought, well, we can make these mm -hmm. very quickly in, in, you know, with AI. So why don't we do that and build a tool that segments and does all these different things for so them. So you didn't go to XR thinking we want to do this. You went to XR. No. Kind of, Aaron. Do you remember that meeting you had with with uh, Pinar and Gary? Do you remember that early meeting? Um, I don't. I don't actually know if I was there for the first demo that oh, you all okay. had, but we were okay. connected afterwards. Um, and I'm right. uh, AI art is one of my particular passions, and when I heard what right. they wanted to do, uh, I 
I guess for lack of a better word, jumped on it. It's called dibs yeah. on, uh, you know, <laughs> having them come in and do something yeah. more than a demo. Yeah, JT was there, the president of XR. And, and then they were so kind as to open up their studio as kind of our sandbox to, to uh, play right. with. You know, and, to, and we worked with Aaron and Francesca and some of the other people there very closely with how, how and infiltrates into their, their, their workflow. It really helped us develop our tool in the best way possible. Aaron, what are people coming to you coming to you for at the to moment? To be perfectly honest, it's it's actually pretty common um, for people to come in without right. a firm idea of what the technology is capable of or how it can be used. I think that's that's actually one of our main roles at XR Studios. You know, we have right. a bit of a different model than most VP virtual production stages, in that we have we're currently actually building two studios, so we'll have two effectively permanent volume setups, one that's more tailored toward virtual production and car process and things like that, and one that's full XR stage. So we have, you know, a full-time staff of creative technologists and other engineers that kind of are ready to make a shoot for any project happen whenever called upon. So, so we do actually have a fair amount of either clients or collaborators come in, see the technology, see our demos and that generally sparks more ideas of what then can be done. You oh. know, there's there's a lot in the virtual production world that changes all the time, just like AI. Do you find that it's, is it a lot of people coming in and seeing it and trying to attach it to a technology they already understand? Or is it people looking to solve specific problems? Like how can you make this faster, quicker, better? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think the answer is both. You know, there's people coming in and looking to do uh, simple things of, okay, we need to shoot 10 different environments in three days. And that would just be mm. impossible to do on location. Um, or, or you have talent that is based in California or on the West Coast that can't travel, you know, for instance. Um, mm. You know, there's, there's very practical uses of the technology uh, that enable, enable just logistics and more efficient shooting. And then there's obviously the, the whimsical and, and uh, ethereal uses where uh, we did this really cool project. It was a TikTok live project um, with a right. popular music pop artist recently. And we were able to work with one of our content partners to realize this really amazing, you know, content that was very dimensional and graphical and just really cool and 360 in a way that, that you just can't do with traditional filmmaking. And so there's there's yeah. opportunities that it opens up for sure on, on both sides. What's the general process when someone comes to, just to sort of cue us back up to um, up to Kubrick? Without Kubrick, what's the typical process that somebody, that a client would go through with you? Um, I mean, some people may have seen uh, the behind the scenes for shows like 1899, mm -hmm and these extraordinary LED stages that really immerses the actors and the audience. I mean, and then there's subtler use cases like, and I didn't even notice this in the Batman, mm -hmm. the more recent one. It's a really, really great Some use, of these yeah. shots. Yeah, I didn't even, I had to go back and I went back and rewatched that bit because I, I read about it and I thought, really? I didn't even notice. And it looks great. Um, what's the typical process for somebody wanting to, to set that up, how do they? How how much of a team is involved, and what's a typical workflow, and how do you support that? 
So generally when people come in, um, I guess the general startup flow for us, you know, we have a client come in with a project. Um, we're not a content creation house, we're a production house. So yeah. we house mm-hmm. all of the technology and all of the people to facilitate the shoot happening. We have, you know, yeah. we have cam- calibrated cameras, we have engineers, creative technologists that have their hands on the servers. And um, we basically ingest the content, which can be Unreal Engine or Unity or 2D content generally. Those are kind yeah. of your three different options. Uh, or Notch is another tool we have. People come in with the right content in the first place. You're there to facilitate, like you say, and make all of that work smoothly. Absolutely. Do, have you noticed a particular pain point around being able to iterate with those backgrounds that if you don't come in with the right thing or somebody wants a big change, you can't get it immediately? There's This is actually, I mean, this was kind of the spark that really uh, I saw with Pinar and Gary. Like this is what, this is the problem they're kind of addressing in content creation is mm-hmm. how labor intensive it is to create and iterate and change 3D environments. So generally on on projects, you know, let's say we have an Unreal Engine project with a 3D environment that can take yeah. a team of animators weeks to create. And that is its own specific art form. And we find, you know, there's a, there's a saying I have as a screen producer, which Leah has heard me say many times on shoots of real-time content rendering is not real-time content creation. You know, there's still a person, an artist there with their hands on the keys that needs time to execute and make changes in a way that uh, it, that achieves the the desired creative. Yeah. So the the particular kind of cool thing about the tool about Kubrick that Pinar and Gary were pitching is originally for us was, uh, you know, AI allows uh, really rapid ideation of 2D plates and 2.5D plates in a way that really can, for the right shoots, make things very efficient, um, make it possible to see a lot of different backgrounds and environments very quickly. And it, it, I could very early on see how this could streamline the creative process for, uh, for artists, you know, in our world. Well, let me jump over to, to Pinar and Gary now that obviously I think we need to address the controversy that's there at the moment. There's There's been a lot of controversy around generative art. So I think what are the, Pina, maybe I think this is, this is you, you've written a lot about this. What would you say to the controversy that's going on at the moment? Is it, some people, for some people, it seems to be extremely black and white. And for some people, it's a gray area that they're willing to explore. How should we, what is the problem and how should, um, what's a healthy way maybe that we should be looking at this so we can embrace the future a little bit, but maybe be careful um, not to disrupt so much. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Uh, I uh, always say that even though I'm co-running a company with Gary full-time, it is my part-time job to educate people to overcome their fears, prejudices, and setbacks around AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, In my opinion, I find it much more valuable and important as a service to the collective than actually what we're doing in our full-time job. So thank you for this question. It's, uh, I don't think we can ever talk about this enough. No. Will will AI play a very important role uh, in the next generation of content creation? Absolutely. 
But do we need to compare ourselves or compete with machines? Absolutely not. For me, like trying to compare yourself with a machine would be trying to run faster than cars. Yeah. I found myself in a very particular place about AI and consciousness, sure. human consciousness. 2016, I was in a very deep depression, afraid, jobless, penniless, uh, lost. And, uh, and then I, uh, I found myself, I discovered my power as a human being. I discovered that uh, I do not need others. I do not need uh, somebody to give me a job or any value that I was expecting from the outside. I woke up to the fact that it all resides inside of me. And I go get a job, I go get a, a partner, I go get life with the power that is inside me. Mm. So what I am witnessing around me is that I am witnessing the rhetoric coming from people saying AI will take my job uh, is a very, uh, for me, how can I say, before I woke up to my potential as a human, it's just another day in the office. We are afraid that our uh, neighbor will steal our husband. We mm. are afraid that a young guy will steal our job. And we are afraid that comput computers will take over and kill us. We are also afraid that government will have a coup and then annihilate us. Yeah. So being afraid is a, uh, it's a choice. Mm. If ever we are competing yeah. with the machines, that means that we didn't understand our value. Yeah. Let alone understanding machine, that means we haven't understood ourselves. That's why everyone who's asking me, what shall I do? I'm in the sector, I'm an illustrator, I'm a filmmaker. Like, a, if you believe that machines will take over your job, yes, they will, because you are contributing uh, to a co-creation reality of the machine coming from a fear point of view. Yeah. However, however, just like a car, if you were riding horses before and car comes along, if you learn to ride a car, it can always be your choice to continue riding your horse. Yeah or riding your car, there will always be a place for extensive, handmade, super beautifully made, super complex landscapes. Yeah. Because, because ju yeah. just because I'm reading books and other people prefer listening to books, there will always a, be a place for that. Yeah. But the options for optimizing certain jobs, for example, providing backgrounds for uh, films of $8 million, extensive backgrounds uh, made with uh, machines, is now a possibility, which mm. was not a possibility before. I mean, for for, I think the the people, the artists that might be more afraid at the moment, or more some who are more fearful, are people like concept artists, because I think from it literally feels like from one day to the next, the people who were limited by their ability to describe something in two or three sentences but can't draw, suddenly were given superpowers overnight. Of just being able to say, I want a, a mountain, I want this, 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 in the style of Pixar, blah, blah, blah. And unfortunately, some people have, have gone running with that and tried to provide that as a service and sell it to other people who aren't aware that they can just type it in themselves or don't want to. Where's the human in the loop with Kubrick? Or there's multiple humans in the loop. So, I mean, pun intended, I guess, paint us a picture of yes. how that, that process now works. First of all, uh, two human beings uh, thought of of Kubrick. Mm -hmm. A human being thought about it and another one named it. Mm -hmm. These two human beings hired a team of developers and AI artists to make that tool. Mm -hmm. This team continues to partner with XR Studios and other studios to use it in their contents. 
later on, uh, this team of human beings are identifying other human beings that are excellent in picture creation, mm -hmm. picture generation, that are usually coming from concept artist or filmmaker or photographer or artist backgrounds, because you need to have an extensive understanding of light, mm -hmm. camera lens, uh, environment, um, uh, and so on, to be able to be a star prompter. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the motto, like, how can I say the motto of our company is freedom. And we always put the humanity in the center of our creations. We always say that no matter what we deliver, be it service or tools, we put the elation of humanity in the center and not the elevation of technology. So it's not the case that the artists and people involved, nobody gets eliminated in that process. The goal isn't to train a system well enough that I can ask it for anything and it will it will do it without a human in the loop. The goal is to always keep a human in the loop. That's what you're saying. Well, uh, we know very well that uh, creativity is unique to uh, organic organisms yeah. because creativity is linked with human consciousness. Your creativity is completely separate than mine. And to expect paradigm-shifting creativity from a machine uh, would be a... It would be a loss. <laughs> Aaron, I think you were going to jump in and say something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is something Peter and Gary and I talked about at, at length during the process of the content creation process for extended reality and, and virtual production is kind of the meat and potatoes of, of getting the vision out of it. You know, when a director, creative director team comes to us at XR Studios and says, you know, we want to do a shoot and we have this idea, they then, you know, we help them find a content partner or they, they come to us with a content partner. And the, the content creation process is kind of the entire just center of this, of what you're putting on screen and in camera. And yeah. it is a very intensive process with what Kubrick does and what it I think what it enables artists to do, it's another tool, right? It's another paintbrush. Yeah. And the AI tools, especially, um, I've been playing with for a while. AI, I think, opens up a lot of efficiencies for content creators. Yeah. Uh, things like segmentation, things like in-painting. Um, it also, in my mind, really allows something that we haven't had a lot of access to in the VP world, and that is rapid content ideation where you can yeah. walk into the room and have a, you know, we, we have a lot of times when someone will come to us and a producer will come to us and say, we just want to be able to see like what our options are. And generally what that involves is, is someone puts a deck together, you know, with a lot of yeah. different options and slides and styles. And I think the cool thing with, with AI and with this is you can do that, but you can do it on the wall, right? You can say, yeah. It's basically like being able to look at a deck in the environment. And for, for me, at least, it's the ability to kind of insert this in the process and say, okay, well, do you want to see how it looks? Let's generate 10 or 15 different plates and see what they look, see like, what they look like the and take learnings from that and then be able to make choices ourselves. Like, you know, saying like, there's, there's always people involved here. This is, this is absolutely other tool. And I don't think that, I, I personally don't think that AI is in a place to, to be the thing that gets to final pixel. You know, we've, we've, 
we've used this term a lot um, in our conversations about Kubrick, but I I don't see a world in which we're ever going to have something, and I won't say ever, but in, in the near future, we're not going to have something where you type in a prompt, hit a button, it goes to the wall and everybody says, wow, that is perfect. <laughs> it's final pixel. It's don't final pixel. Don't move it. You know, there's always a time where you want to say, oh, let's like, let's move that tree, you know, and that involves a person. You need to be able to cut yeah. the tree out, move it, move it over there. Or, you know, hey, let's put some more stars in here. Let's do this. Let's do this. There's always, you know, there's always touching you need to do. And that's the, the efficiencies this opens up are, are the really powerful thing for, for at least for, for me. Gary, you were going to, you were going to jump in there, I think. Yeah. And the other thing is as people are testing this, particularly with Aaron and XR, and then as we send out our beta for other people to test, we're getting feedback from humans as to how to make the tool better. Like, you know, if we can, if we can add, you know, object uh, identification, depth mapping, you know, shape mapping, things to identify the layers in different ways and how they want to use the tool better. It's not, this tool isn't making itself, yeah. you know, and as we, as we bring it into the market and it, it starts to get used on, on sets, we're going to continue to get feedback yeah. from the humans that are using it and what kind of tool they want it to be. And that's how we're going to address it as we go forward. I was fortunate that I was at MPC Film in London with Adam Valdez and a team of people who'd come off of Jungle Book and then The Lion King. I was watching them uh, develop a series and it was they were shooting it in a very small room, but there was 15 people outside, not frantically, but they were putting together the set and everything else in more and more detail all the time. And then they would take that set into a very small room with a virtual camera and just shoot it and see if they could get it. You know, there's two people on the box running it and the director um, with a camera. It's just them. It's really intimate. And that blew my mind because the core of that creativity was was a very small group of people. And that's, I feel, what you're talking about is that that content creation cycle, that iteration. Part of the, the thing we were always looking at there is how do you stop interrupting it? How do you keep the flow going? How do you have those happy accidents? on stage when you really want to have them and say, actually, this would look better if it was at night. And people were amazed that you could, you know, in, in Unreal or something, you can just go, right, let's just move the sun. But now you can change the whole planet. You can do all these these other things, which is which is kind of amazing. So so where where does this go? You just mentioned a little bit about the future of what it might not be, Aaron, that you don't see it being final pixel. Maybe the goal for some people, where where do we want to go with this and and where do we want to be cautious along that along that journey well i think i i think that uh from from my perspective like the the way that peter's team continues to make these tools better and and more flexible is really the strength there like peter was uh, i think this guy was was showing us the demo where you could upload your own images i think that's actually one of my favorite parts you know, you can, you can take in photographs that you take of real locations. You could do virtual location scouting, you know, send someone to the camera and then shoot on location and on a VP stage with segmented plates that give you parallax and depth. I think that's, you know, a really amazing prospect. Then being able to even uh, use the stable diffusion tool set within that to in-paint or out-paint, you know, and, and change those environments a bit you know it's it's like photoshop on steroids yeah um 
and then Gary, do you want to say? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know more to... of like uh, what for you guys to talk about what's on your roadmap. I think you know Unreal Engine has a look to itself, and it has time consuming right now. Even now that AI might not be pixel ready in every moment, um, I I know that it's progress is hyper fast and the more GPUs that are applied to it and co computational power, we'll be able to get amazing results. And it's really all about computational power for the results. Um, and that, that's one thing I think, and Pinar, maybe you can add to that. Um, I like Aaron's description of Photoshop in steroids because that's what Kubrick is slowly becoming. We are uh, releasing a new update every two weeks, and uh, in the, in our roadmap, uh, the update that we will be releasing by the end of February will be including a lot of the tools, image editing tools similar to Photoshop. So one will be able to generate and uh, super extensively edit the image, including uh, choking, which is a feature that we love so much. So let's say that I'm a tree, and then uh, the AI segmented the image around my branches, but not so much. So with choking, you will be able to get the selection oh, wow. right around the edges of the branches. So that's very nice. That's very nice. Yeah, without choking, you get a lot of residue on, you know, with certain things right. like hair or or fingers, you know, you'll get, you'll get a um, shapes between the fingers yeah. like webs because yeah, it yeah. doesn't get the whole background. And we're, in, we're, we're um, installing a choking mechanism that goes right in to make very perfect silhouettes and then allowing you to uh, soften those edges or diffuse the edges so it doesn't look cut out like an old, uh, you know, Broadway show or something, a <laughs> stage show where it's just like cut out trees or something, you know, so you'll diffuse the edges and, 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 and do things like that. So, yeah, it is. It is. Those are those are some things that we got feedback from people that wanted, particularly uh, XR Studios and Aaron and his team, were like really uh, gave us a lot of feedback early on about these tools. That's great because you can get it for you guys as you're making the tool. You've got it directly from the people who are using it, but also people like Aaron who are touching all these different technologies. He's gonna not just have the the view of the of the content creator, but the view of the facilitator of the content creator, which is a really key stakeholder for you to have in, in the development of that. What I'm curious about is, does this work off stage as well? So, I mean, for, for small studios who maybe work remotely, let's say you're putting something together. If somebody's doing, or you've done some AR, uh, AI concept art, or you're, you've got some original work, could you bring that in and just use that if you, if you wanted to mock up an environment in Unreal Engine or Unity? Is it, is it the fastest way to get that content in there? Well, in fact, I'm glad you asked that question, Paul, because you, you, it opens in a web, web, web right. page. And you can do all yeah. the work in a web page. You can do it on a laptop in your home. Um, and so, so you can do pre-visualizations, test things, turn them into plates, save them yeah. as a PNG, and just upload it to yeah. any media server you want. And so you can go in the next day and say, hey, let's try out these 10 things, you know, that I created last night and, and, and almost get them. I think there'll always be preparation yeah. on a stage. I don't know enough about it. Aaron can comment on that. But I think there's always going to be a preparation, like how far away yeah. the plates are and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the focus of each plate and things like that that I'm not that familiar with. But 
yeah, you can just be sitting on, on your couch at night making images, you know, as a creative person or a director even. I mean, do you see a mix, Aaron, of, of these AR, XR technologies being brought together more and more with something like Kubrick? How does what we're talking about now, the process and maybe some of the other technologies, how does all that start to come together? And I think there's there's a lot of different methods for content creation. Um, mm-hmm. you, we see a lot in the XR workflow and in a lot of our productions, a lot of 3D content from Notch or Unreal. And generally that yeah. that pipeline is pretty uh, pretty standardized where it's a lot of 3D modeling and texturing and materials and things like that. Um, that workflow is kind of its own thing and it's, it's very time intensive and generally very expensive. And so when we were yeah. talking originally about Kubrick and how they had kind of targeted virtual production as an industry, it was a really good fit for shoots that are more mm-hmm. kind of virtual productive, like VP oriented, where they're not using a full volumetric environment, you know, uh, more backgrounds, 2D backgrounds, much like you were talking yeah. about earlier with Paul, like the, the Batman example, you know, mm-hmm. when you don't need that complete depth and environment, or you're doing a mock-up, for instance, like you're saying offline, this 2D, uh, two and a half D approach works really nicely. Um, Pinar, I think you shared the video of Walt Disney explaining the original like two and a half D kind of approach. And it was, it was a really good back ground to why that approach was created. You know, it's a, I, I come from the theater world. I, I grew up in theater in, in the Southeast and built a bunch of sets that are basically the same thing you're doing here. You have the cut out of the trees, you have some, some flowers in front, you have the background behind it and the full sky drop behind. And that's what, so we do virtually in unreal or disguise or whatnot. So I, I think for, for the productions that this fits the creative intent for, it's a really powerful and time efficient way to go about it. Um, so I think we've, we've already showed it to a couple of folks and they're, they're pretty excited about it. I want to add one quick thing there that you can use it as a previs tool, test it on, on the set and then go make Unreal yeah. Engine if you need to. And, and so it gives you the opportunity to create many, many more iterations faster than to say, what if we did this and you're kind of pencil yeah. sketching it. You can actually see some things and create worlds that maybe you never would have created. Yeah, it's before. a temp- template tool almost. I tell you one thing that it makes me realize is in the only uh, the last couple of weeks I've intensely been playing around with various things, in particular like I said, doing some like script development and whatnot. And we've been uh, doing up some mock-ups and working on a uh, film and trying to see where AI fits into that, which is why we find Kubrick so interesting. Um, and one of the things we've realized recently is that although, you know, you can get uh, like um, GitHub Copilot and there's other ways to get some version of GPT uh, to write code for you, if you're not a Python developer, you're not going to be able to get um, GPT or any AI to write code for you because you don't know what you're looking at. You don't know whether it's doing really what you asked it for. And it's you know, there's, there becomes a level that you, you then can't make those adjustments to say, no, I need this function to be this. I need this to be more efficient or I need to do it in this pattern. You don't know what you're, you're, you don't know what you don't know. So in the same way, some people think, oh, I can, I can just say, can you write me a blog post on the controversy between AI and 3D artists? It's going to give you something relatively generic, but it needs somebody to jump in and, and play with that. And I think 
that's where I certainly you're helping me to see this in the same way. Always write about that in my articles that I always mm. call AI a blessing. You know why? Because it is the last return. It's the last turning point. If we continue being afraid of machines, others, our neighbor, or the youth stealing our job or whatnot, we will end up having no use in the future, seriously. But if ever we wake up to our own power as humans, and we remember that we are the creator, we mm -hmm. remember that we are the transcendental power, that our emotions, that we are emotional beings, only then that we will stop uh, racing with the machine. And only then we can start co-creating with the machines for a reality where they serve us yeah. and not us serving them. Yeah. Like you said, it's not that it's about replacing anything. It's about augmenting us. It's about extending us, using that emotional base that we have as, as human beings and extending what you can do. Yeah, for me, being afraid of AI, seriously, when I hear people being afraid of AI, it's like, why are you afraid of a fork? Yeah. It's a tool, like a, a, an AI can never ever reach the uh, creative transcendental qualities that I can ever offer to humanity. Mm -hmm. I think Pinar has another saying about the four Ds or something. What are they with the dirty, what is that Pinar that you like to? Uh, dirty, dull, dangerous, and difficult. Our job is to identify the dirty, dull, dangerous, and difficult parts of the film production process and create uh, tools and uh, creative solutions for them. I'm very interested in the idea of that you seeing Kubrick and, and your work as being a hub around production. I think, Aaron, maybe it'd be interesting to, to get a, a couple of final comments from you on that idea about where, as someone who's used AI a lot, as someone who's had a you know theatre background, you've seen the traditional, you're embracing um, the future. Is AI the hub? Is it, are we seeing this right? Is, do you agree with uh, Pinar's view of this? Much like with any new tool in art, whether it be a new brush or a new software, anything like that, the possibilities that this opens up for content creators and artists, if you can really fully grasp what it can do and what it enables you to do, then it's it's kind of a next frontier. But I I, I do see it as a as one of the tools, one of the paintbrushes mm -hmm. in, you know, your palette as an artist and as technologists. I think that, you know, we all have to embrace it for sure. There's, there's, you're not going to be able to, um, you're not going to be able to ignore it or push it away forever. So I do think that as AI becomes more commonplace, you were talking about, you know, chat GPT being a tool to, to do copywriting and, and help write right scripts and things like that there's so many there's so many ways that this these technologies can be helpful to us uh that i i really think that they're you know there's they're not necessarily bad as long as they're harnessed in a way that unlocks additional parts of your creative vision as a person perfectly said yeah i think it's fantastic aaron just quickly if somebody wants to to use kubrick and uh with xr studios what are the kind of clients you're working with? And if people aren't familiar with XR Studios, are you hiring, um, you know, and who, what, what kind of clients do you work with? So. We work with clients from all different parts of the film and production industry. Um, we do a lot of you know, music videos and presentations and things like that. We've done 
all kinds of work from commercial to creative. I'd say if anyone's interested, okay. definitely go to our website. It's xrstudios.live and they can reach out there. Um, we are in the process of opening our new flagship Hollywood campus, which is located uh, at the Eastman Kodak headquarters right there by Sunset West Palma Studios. So we're actually in the midst of a bit of craziness of building not just one, but Fantastic. two brand new stages. Um, the cool thing is we, we do have uh, the ability to do demos there. And once that's up and running, we intend to have Kubrick uh, as one of our demos so that people can see it in person. That's our right. hope, at least, Peter. Um, so we'd, we'd love to, you know, to show it off. And if anyone has questions and wants to see it, we'd facilitate that. Peter, just quickly, if people want to learn more about Kubrick um, or, or work with you guys or, or use it in their production or, or try it out, go to the website, reach out to you. What, what can they do? Yes, uh, Kubrick at sayhanli.com. Go to sayhanli.com and Great. all the necessary Perfect. information is there. Okay, I know you have to run. I'm looking forward to, to trying this out myself. So thanks, everybody. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, thank, you, thank you, Aaron. Um, thank That's you, Leo. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Aaron. Leo. Thank you.